This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. Bing bong, it's your boy, Mr. Adam X. You listen to the Pursuit Podcast on the Out of Collective. Exciting week. Gear guides went out. So if you bought a gear guide, if you touched a gear guide, if you looked at a gear guide or read it, thank you. Thank you for support. Um, really exciting for us. Huge undertaking by Adam Jabber and Ethan L. Photo, uh, our editor and chief in charge, kind of, who doesn't get enough credit. Ton of work behind the scenes. Made it come to life quickly. About a month, month and a half. Tons of contributing writers. If you haven't checked out the gear guide, please go check it out. Um, not for me, for you. It's great. It's a beautiful piece of work. A uh, ton of fun to make and help be part of the process. So thank you for all the support. And God, oh yeah, we have a new show this week with, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, Michelle Parker, Care Less, Do More. That actually came out yesterday. So if you haven't checked that out, there's a lot of things to check out this week. Uh, it's just exciting. We're rolling into winter. Uh, I still get a bunch of mountain bike episodes and I'm going to run them because this is my favorite season to mountain bike. Which kind of leads me into one of my sponsors. So let's talk about it. Mountain Flow. If you guys don't know what Mountain Flow is, you got to get on it. Mountain Flow Eco Wax. They make wax for your bicycle. They make wax for snow. And here's the thing. It's all plant-based loops. You wouldn't put gasoline on your bike or a petroleum product on your bike or on the earth. So why are we doing it? I'm telling you, mountainflow.com, EcoWax, it's just as good. That's everyone's big That's everyone's big thing, right? Like, oh, it's plant-based, so it can't be as good. I'm telling you, it's just as good, if not better. All plant-based. They care about our planet. What a concept. Uh, mountainflow.com, use code out of bounds. But more importantly, just next time you're at the bike shop and you need to buy some lube, grab Mountainflow. Why not support products that support our planet? mountainflow.com honestly they make a wet lube a wax a dry lube a bike wash and degreaser actually have a whole youtube video coming out i think it comes out this week uh explains the difference between them all and as we roll into snow i know you're getting your waxes for your skis check out their ski wax it works i'm telling you and it's good for the environment speaking of environment let's keep rolling into our sponsors here rumple.com it's football season. They make puffy blankets for all 32 of your favorite NFL teams. Here's the kicker, since we're talking about the environment. Every blanket is use, is using recycled plastic bottles. I want to say the one-person blanket uses 60 recycled plastic bottles. So let's do some quick math and assume the two-person blanket is recycling 120 plastic bottles. They have collabs, they have towels, they have blankets. I'm telling you, this blanket is machine washable. I've completely trashed mine. I've had mine for over six years, way before this partnership even existed. I'm looking at it right now in the van. It has been trashed, smashed, hang, hung out with uh, next to fires. There's no holes in it. And when I do get to a laundromat, I just throw it in the wash. It's good to go. Again, they care about our planet. We're giving you a couple bucks off. Go to rumple.com, put an order in. Use code out of bounds. 
I'm telling you, you will not regret this. This is your everyday blanket from tailgates to, you know, maybe a couple sodas in the parking lot of your favorite ski resort that's getting ready to open up. And then you're going to bring it on the couch and hang out with it. So go to rumple.com, check out their blankets, check out their story. It's phenomenal. And I'm going to get to my last sponsor this week. Dude, it's pronounced Deuter. I love these bags. Uh, again, I've owned a Deuter bag way before I had a partnership here. I've chose their bags just by doing research. I, again, I have a full video coming out on what I keep in my Freerider 30. If you're thinking about getting a backpack for the ski season, look them up. They, they make amazing bags for what we like to do. Uh, again, it's pronounced Deuter, D-E-U-T-E-R.com. Check them out. They have a brand new Abbey bag coming out, which I can't wait to tell you more about. Uh, the Freerider's my go-to touring bag they make it a 28 a 30 they make it in a light 18 they literally have everything that you could possibly need for all of your outdoor adventures they have a child carrier they have accessories for your child carrier i'm telling you go to deuter.com check them out get yourself a bag because they again if you want me to get in the whole environmental story i'll do this ad read for another 10 minutes um they use sustainable materials. They care where their bags are getting made. They care about their employees. Check them out. Deuter.com. Dude, it's pronounced Deuter. Let's talk about my guest this week. Via Verbeek. I want to say Ver Verbeck, but I was I asked in the beginning of the episode, it's Via Verbeek. Uh, it's really hard to say Via without saying champion. Two-time queen of Crankworks, three-time downhill national champion. Made a couple appearances at Formation. She is currently competing at Crankworks without an ACL. We talk about that. We talk about why I suck at mountain biking. It's such a fun episode. Stay tuned towards the end of the episode. We make a pinky promise, and on my Instagram, I will follow through with that. I've had more than 14 days to follow through and stay tuned for the disappointment because I tried my best, but that's all life is about is trying. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. Vaya, thank you so much for being a guest and going on and shooting the shit. So uh, without further ado... Episode 81 of The Pursuit. Cool. Hey, everyone. My name is Vaya. I'm a professional mountain bike athlete, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. We rescheduled because it sounds like you had a very stressful morning, so thank you for making um, it happen. Thank you. I'm, I'm very stressed, very busy person. <laughs> I, I love it. Vaya, how do you say your last name? Because I've read Verbeek. it. Verbeek. I mean, I've always, growing up in Quebec, I spoke French, right? So I would say Verbeck. It's Belgian, French-Belgian. So you'd say Verbeck. But in English, I think because of the double E, I would just assume you want to say Verbeek. Yeah, I, I want to say, say, say Verbeck. <laughs> All right, go but for it. I, I knew it was wrong, but I wanted you to say it so I didn't have to say it it's, first. It's not that wrong because, like, I think if you go back to the Dutch roots, it would say Verbeek. Verbeck in French, Verbeek in English. 
Yeah. Could be anything you want. Yeah, ver 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 beak. I don't see the beak, but I guess I don't know. Yeah, double e. I don't know what e. else you gonna do. I I don't know. I just like back. <laughs> I just go in with back. I like the one e. I'm seeing one e. One All e. Right, silent. I, like I don't know. Do you still speak French? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's my first language. It's what I speak with my mom and family with. But they leave. I live in BC now, so I kind of rarely see them, and it's most of the time we're just texting and catching up. So I rarely get to speak French, but I love when I do. Where did you learn English? Uh, kind of. I mean, I think like everybody, you get your second language class in school, which is super basic. So that that for me was English, but I was never super, super good at it either. And then when I turned 17 and I started biking, literally having people from the industry come and stay over in the bike park where I was located and you know, they weren't going to speak French. So I had to kind of just kick my ass and speak English. So 17 is kind of where I started to have to kick my buns and speak English a bit more and uh, just be more exposed to it. And then I went to school. I did three years in sports marketing management, which was in English in the South Shore of Montreal, and then moved to BC in 2013 and only spoken English since then. It's so bizarre that one, we speak <laughs> different languages, but like I went to Tremblant, Tremblant, and like everyone speaks French Canadian. And like, I'm just like the ignorant white American who's like, I don't know anything. And I'm not like, I'm here for six days, guys, like not going to learn it. Just send me like coffee. I need to buy a lift ticket. And like, that's all I really need to know other than like, but it's funny. They were like very stubborn there. No way. It you is would, tourism. That's like, what I would have thought. Down. Like, I mean, it's probably 10 years ago now, but like they were not. And maybe they're just being dicks to me because I would be a dick to me, too. But I was shocked how little English they spoke back to me. Yeah, that's surprising. I mean, who knows? Like customer service, like part time students, jobs, like who knows who you're catching. Right. But. Normally, they do need to hire people that speak that are bilingual when they hire customer service. Um, but yeah, it's funny from one town to another, especially from the area where I am. One town will be called, for example, like Knowlton or Sutton, and it's like super anglophone. Um, like the OG people from there are super anglophone, and then you go to a different town, and it's like so French, like nobody speaks English. And then you have Montreal, and it's like. Franklish is what you call it. <laughs> and then people just mix both. It's just so bizarre, as you say. Where are you now? I am in Duncan, BC, um, on the Vancouver Island. Okay. That's all, like, the, Vancouver Island is all I know. That's... Yeah, it's pretty huge still, but I'm on Vancouver Island. Yeah. You have to be... There's a creeper on Vancouver Island. You have to be very aware. Ask Michaela about it. Oh, shit. It's a whole thing. <laughs> It's a public thing, so we've already shamed him publicly. <laughs> but there's a creeper on the island, so be prepared. Okay. Okay, let's talk about you, the mountain biker, because um, we've kind of... Nobody's <laughs> creeping this podcast. <laughs> They're gonna just wait. We talk, we'll talk about DMs. We'll talk about all of that, because that all comes yeah, with being yeah, a professional yeah. human being, apparently. Um, <laughs> you're kind of like... I'm going to maybe say a bold claim statement, but like you're one of like the most well-rounded humans on a mountain bike. That's crazy to hear, but thank you so much for thinking so. But like you don't have, 
you got you kind of got your ropes through downhill, right? Let's yeah. say that. That's which most people don't start downhill. I I learned completely backwards. Yeah, my first ever mountain bike was a full suspension downhill bike, and I learned to ride in a bike park with lift assist. And then as time went, I got a trail bike, and then a slalom bike, and then a hardtail. And I learned very backwards compared to most people for sure. Do you think it helped you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think I was fortunate to have really good body coordination. Like I did lots of gymnastics growing up, and just just have good body awareness and coordination really helps. Just figuring out what you're doing, even if there's a lot going on on a downhill bike. But um, learning backwards and going back to basics, especially when you're like a pretty decent like downhill rider, and then you have to go and learn how to like do something as simple as like a manual or like just super basic skills on like a pump track with kids that are like kicking your ass and you're like, man, I thought I was a decent rider and now I suck. It's, it sucked for a really long time. It still kind of does, but less so because yeah, I actually love riding all the bikes now. I have to disagree. It had to have helped like downhill is like, you're just hanging on for dear life, like loose, fast, out of control all while being in control. So I would think <laughs> yeah. important component. I would, I would think being on a pump track just comes easy, but I don't know. I didn't do it and I suck on a mountain bike. So who am I? I mean, it's not hard to just roll around on the pump track, but it is hard to be good at, at creating and, you know, generating speed and like being really good on the pump track. And there's so many technical moves that, um, yeah, it takes a lot of time to figure out versus, Potting around on the trail, it doesn't matter how fast you're going. It could be fun from the very first day, right? Um, but yeah, I'm stoked. I don't. I definitely don't wish that I learned any different ways. Like I love just straight up being in the mountains, uh, which is something I did before biking, but on the winter end of seasons. And um, yeah, I don't know. It was really fun. And learning skills is hard, but it definitely worked out uh, for the best. You were a big snowboarder, correct? Yeah, I'm very into it. Definitely harder now when, when I'm in BC and just traveling so much for biking, especially during the winter season. But that was my my thing for sure. It was, it was snowboarding. Do you think if you weren't, if it wasn't mountain biking, it would be snowboarding? It, yeah, that's what it was. I was always looking to like stoked for the winter season to go snowboarding. Um, always looking to travel in the winter to go to the best snowboarding destinations or like, I mean, I was in high school, right? So like there was like the high school trip going to Banff. And then, uh, so we did that and like hung out in the park a lot. And then when I did sports marketing and management, that was through, I got inspired through a guy I was working with at the snowboard shops. So I worked there and he had done this sports marketing and management program and then became, um, like he opened like a, like a new, leg like the store basically developed opened up a new a new store like out in bromont and he became like responsible in managing that one and so i don't know i was very into the snowboard industry and uh yeah if it wasn't for bumping into bikers while snowboarding they just turned out to be bikers too um yeah summer would have just been like the fun summer season where you just hang out and enjoy summer for what it is, but winter was the cool season where you get up to something, you know? Was there a point where there was like, it flipped a switch that you were like, okay, I'm going to choose mountain biking and I'm going to go pro. Uh, th there's, 
just for the second section of your question there, like for me, there was definitely never a moment where I was like, I want to be pro at this. Like even snowboarding, I maybe had it more with snowboarding just because you grow up and you're younger and you're teen, teenage hood and you're like, yeah, I want to do this. Like it's so cool. But with biking, it was always just such just a hobby. Like I picked it up and I'm always one to like willing to try something new. So like when those guys were bikers and they were coming back to the same ski hill that we're locally based out of but they were coming with their bikes i was stoked to see what it was all about i was stoked to bore their bikes and go on a bike ride myself and then i just got hooked so much i was like yeah for sure i want to do that and i'm going to save up money and buy a used bike and then that'll be my summer thing but as soon as i was doing more and more of biking i just wanted more of it and i don't know i don't know if it was because it was a new thing or because there was just so much so much to learn ahead of me that was just so exciting and motivating but i think i did good at it too from the get-go and there wasn't very many girls around that biked so like i think there was two of us in town and so i think it just like i just saw a window for me to like go out there and learn quickly and succeed and do something with it but it was never about like making it a job it was really just like somewhere to be with my guy friends traveling around doing something cool uh, getting better at it and eventually it was like oh I can get a good deal on a bike and trying to get trying to get some deals so that it's not so expensive because it is quite expensive but I was super lucky with the circle of friends that I had and made really good connections from the get-go from the industry and was able to get some help from my friends and just get some hand-me-downs and some used parts here and there and then started racing like literally the following year because I don't know, I'm just going to jump into it anyways, but like every other weekend I would find myself basically by myself in the local bike park because like all my, my guy friends would be gone racing and I was like, I was a year into riding, so it's not like I was signing up for races, but I was just finding myself basically by myself and I was like, man, like that's lame, like I just want to ride with my guy friends and like wherever they're going sounds like it's pretty cool and it's like new trails and stuff, like I want to check out new trails. So then I just hopped on board with them and started traveling around and and yeah, then it just uh, went from Quebec Cups to Canada Cups to getting Canada Cup points and being able to register for World Cups and that's like all of what we were looking up to as well. So like it was super motivating for me to just do it myself. It was pretty cool. But it was still just a hobby at this point. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. I was, uh, I loved it and I was going to school still and um i was definitely down to figure out how to make it less expensive and getting less like better deals so that i could like you know get a fresh bike but maybe not for a full price and getting some fresh gear year after year but i just never thought of future you know i was just thinking of like the next summer ahead it's like oh there's like all those races this summer like i'll save up all my money all winter in my part-time job because i want to go to those places and try to get some deals so that it's not so hard to like get it but like i don't know it was never like i'm gonna make this my job like that was never a clear thought in my head whatsoever i just don't know if it was like maybe i just didn't believe it i just thought i'm having a good time and i want to see how good i could get but it was just never a realistic thought the guys that i knew that were doing it for their jobs like they were already my friends because they kind of hung out in town between their races and i was just like I was just stoked to spend more and more time in that circle of friends in that industry. I thought it was so cool, but yeah, I never thought ahead uh, that far ahead, I guess. 
do you think, and maybe I'm speculating, but like, do you think you didn't think of the future because really, and you're not old, but like (laughs) women's freestyle free ride downhill has come a long way in five years. Yeah. The last years for sure. Like five years, like the last 10. Okay. But like the last five, it's been like crazy. Yeah. Do, Do you think you didn't necessarily view it as a job or a career because maybe there wasn't the thought of one? Well, if we're talking about free ride specifically, like I was never exposed to the thought of free ride when I started, like the guys that I was around, they would go out racing and then the bike movies we would watch and the pros that would come through town. Those were all about racing downhill world cups. So that was kind of like almost like brainwashing me. It's like, this is what's cool and we're watching it and it's so sick. And, you know, I was building towards doing that. And I was kind of the only thing I was exposed to. And I guess I saw some clips through those bike movies where it'd be like the dirt jump section or like the, I don't know, super gnar shoots, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know if it has anything to do with gender or what, but it just never called out to me. Um, I don't know if maybe if I saw a, a, a girl do it in those films, maybe I would have been like, damn, this is cool. But like, I just never got that spark back then. Racing was the cool thing. So I was doing that. And I think, um, well, I guess in the, in between all of that, like Bromont where I grew up in riding is like super technical bike park. Like the trails are like super rocky, rooty, fast. Like it's perfect for racing there's not much jumps and if there are they were not very good i think they've come a long way but since then but back then like the only sick jump we had was the bridge at the bottom and it's like literally a wooden bridge not the best so like when i did move to bc in 2013 which was to because i was stoked to ride more in the winter time which is just not an option in quebec um then in the summertime i got exposed to more and more jumps like whistler bike park obviously is like the sickest place for so many jumps and then I started getting more comfortable in the air and I started to actually like jumps because I used to describe myself like I like technical and high speed and not so much jumps, but that's just because I wasn't exposed to them and I wasn't very good at them. But then I got exposed to them and I freaking love them. So which is, yeah, I always stuck around with the jump section and then at races, we also get like at World Cup level, we get exposed to like pretty big line options. Like Sometimes you have to go around, but sometimes there are like big gaps and like I got comfortable enough to tackle those. And I was always pretty proud of myself for having the guts to tackle those things. So I just didn't have much experience doing that. Anyhow, so uh, yeah, I got more comfortable in the air and loved doing it. And then I think, yeah, especially as of the last five years, the industry just got like friendlier with the women's and free ride movement. So like, we just got more opportunities to be able to go and do that. And I was like, as always, since day one, I've always stoked to try something new. And as soon as I tried something that's kind of like scary, obviously, but so sick kind of reminded me of like those like harder big gaps at World Cup tracks. Like they were super scary. Not many of us are doing it, but I was trying it and I was doing it okay. And I was stoked on that. So as soon as that become kind of like, that became kind of like part of our industry is like, okay, we're going to make room for our women in Big Mountain Freeride, I was all in for it and had so much more fun doing that than the racing that I have been doing for over 10 years by now. So like, I'm super ready and content to just like follow with that and like 
you know, keep learning so much versus something that I've done already for quite a while and still with what I've done and happy to keep growing and follow it. What comes at me. I don't know how to ask this question without like giving too much away, but do you see yourself continuing to race or do you see yourself being like, I'm going free ride? Cause right now you're kind of, you have all the hats on like, yeah. <laughs> Um, I kind of like, I kind of like this place of having all the hats on. Like if I think of the people that I look up to, I'll think of like Kate Edwards, Jackson Goldstone, and obviously many more, but like what really is in common with those guys is that they're insane riders, both in the racing, uh, scene, but as well as on the free ride or slope style or, you know, just insane, super cool to watch. Um, it's even more impressive to watch them do so well at specifically racing or specifically slope when you know that that's not what they dedicate their entire time to like it's super impressive and so if i can be maybe someone like that i think that's the coolest thing ever like i've definitely it's crossed my mind at the beginning when like free ride like ramped up really fast the last five years right so it's definitely crossed my mind to be like okay well i want to make sure i'm not like dedicating not enough time to free ride that I kind of miss the boat. Eventually they're going to take off, which I guess it's kind of happening, but this year I was semi injured. So that's kind of why my progression wasn't exactly there and everybody else's was and definitely getting so much FOMO, but I'm planning on a crazy amount of winter riding so that I can hopefully catch up and like, yeah, I definitely want to be on top of it all. If I can, I'm going to do it. Both of them. Um, both crankworks disciplines and free ride for as long as I can, but I do I do really love free riding. There's just so much for me to unlock out there. Like if I had to choose, I'd probably lean there that way. But I just I don't think I have to choose at this point. And I think that that in itself is super sick. What about pressure from sponsors? Like, do they want you to choose? No, thank God. Um, I think I've been super fortunate and I've, I've just stuck with my sponsors for long periods of time. So I've been with Rocky Mountain for probably seven or eight seasons or years, I guess, by now. Uh, same with Trolley Designs and everyone that I ride for, like, I definitely have strong relationships with my sponsors and they know the rider that I am. Um, and I think from the, even from the time when I transitioned from racing, just downhill racing, to being like, okay, this is not really working out for me. Like I did really bad, have really bad arm pump issues. So I was like not getting super good results, but I was kind of dabbing into some crankworks events in between World Cup races. And I was kind of doing okay at them and then saw the potential of doing a full crankworks season instead. Cause doing both is, is like too much. So anyway, they kind of like were always very supportive of, of me doing that because they just knew that I was, I was always keeping myself super busy. It's not like my calendar was going to drop and I was going to go to no events if I dropped downhill World Cup events. So I always kept super busy and that really served me really well over the years. So I think they've always trusted um, that whatever I was going to do, I was going to do a lot of it and I was going to do really well at it. And thankfully, and I'm really lucky that the industry was – literally going the direction that I was telling them I wanted to go. So like the hype was behind my back, you know, they were like, Oh, you want to do more of this thing that everybody's, everybody's asking to see. Yeah, no, go for it. Like we're super happy to see that happening. Um, yeah, I'm super lucky. Everything's just gone really smoothly and they've been super supportive. And I think it's uh, it's been a win-win relationship for sure. 
Yeah, and I think the timing of free ride for you and the, and like free ride popping and your career, like you couldn't ask for that to be better. Like you're just like, like right in yeah. line. Like I always hate. Well, I have no. I'm nothing. I'm not good at anything, so I can't even. But like I can't imagine a. I don't know, pro skier trying to be pro now yeah, versus yeah. like, I don't know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And like, it's crazy what females are already doing on bikes and free ride in like the five years that they've truly been given a spotlight. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, I don't want to be a 15 year old girl looking at you guys and being like, I have to jump into this, like literally. That is amazing, but terrifying. And like, how are you guys aren't just not terrified all the time? Like, how do you line up to anything? Let's just say, let's talk formation. Cause that's like the, the easy one to talk about. Are you just terrified the whole time? Are you confident in this? Is this just like a show for the cameras like everything's fine because i just picture like the dog drinking coffee <laughs> with like the world on fire and being like this is fine that's not how it is it's <laughs> it's like it's a it's a choice right like they don't like drop us at the top of a line being like this is your line good luck smile for the camera that's so not what's going on you know like um also it's it's such a process like um I've done three three out of the three editions of formations by now, right? If you look, if there had been cameras on us day one of formation number one, <laughs> it's basically how we felt. <laughs> Even before showing up, the five of us girls that were invited for the event, we were we kind of all knew each other from racing because that's how we made a career out of biking. And we're all like, are you going? Like, what do you think? I don't know. I, I like our crew. Like, I, we, we felt comfortable with the crew and felt like at least if we're going to do this, we felt like that crew was really good, like, and not super stressed, like it wasn't adding stress on us. But we were all kind of like, I've never done this before. I've never ridden anything like Virgin Utah. Uh, neither of you. <laughs> like, is that gonna be super ugly or what? But like, I think we just went all in with the similar mindsets. And uh, first year when we started walking around and looking at what we might wanna build for our line, we started at the bottom of the ladder, just like you do with anything. I mean, some people might just go super all out, super ballsy, bold moves, but um, I think Virgin Utah definitely will humble you if you do that. So it's a process, you have to start small. And we started with something that we thought was pretty damn terrifying because it was so unknown. But as soon as you literally put your dirt, your tires in the dirt, it like rode so much slower and controlled than we would have expected and the exposure is crazy but after a few days standing on at exposed terrain like working the terrain before we got to ride it we got so much more comfortable so literally first run we were like oh shit like this is we could have built something way bigger like this is actually riding so much easier than what we thought it would and so that was a huge learning curve right away. Like that's kind of why the free art industry just ramped up so fast. I think we got to like dip our toes, like being timid with it, but being safe and realizing like, damn, this is actually all good. Like we should ramp it up. So like, yeah, second year you, you saw like massive drops and super exposed lines and um, it ramped up really quickly. And then again, third year, like I even spent a month in the winter um, back in Verdun, Utah myself 
just because it's super rad over there. And I started to just get more comfortable with all sorts of terrain, all sorts of features out there. So yeah, going into this year's formation, I felt pretty at home and I could spot features that I had never seen women ride, but I was like, I think I got this, let's do this. And it like, it was really fun. It was really good. So I think it's just the process, right? You just got to learn at the bottom of the ladder and over time and experience and exposing yourself, it becomes your new normal. And then you keep growing. <laughs> My favorite thing is when I'm talking to an athlete and they're like, right? Like I get anything <laughs> you just said. No, anything you might do, <laughs> like give it, give it 10 years of experience, right? Like it, if you give something 10 years, you get pretty comfortable doing it and uh it doesn't freak you out so much because you've done it for so long and you can trust in yourself and trust in your capabilities and still have a good time doing that so it's just it's wild how quickly and you just explained it all but like how quickly it has jumped from like yeah. this to like from one extreme to the next oh, yeah. what's next like what are we gonna see and at what point and maybe you think about this, but like, are we just ragdolling our bodies off of things? Nah, I think it, you know, you look at the men's, uh, the men's like being on a free ride as well. And like, they're still also coming out with like new, like never attempt, never landed before tricks or like new biggest, longest jumps records and whatnot. Like, I think it's just going to keep incrementing itself like that. And what I see it, um going to is just uh it's already kind of happening but it's just like a, a bigger deeper pool of really solid riders that put more time and experience into free ride and and just become solid and instead of having like last year's proving ground for example there's two girls that finished in finals this year there's six next year 12 you know like formation the first year there was five the next year there was eight this year there's 12 of us it's just like keeps growing like it's um it's tripling every second year and so the next thing that I would expect to see is just more slope tricks. So not only being solid downhill riders, downhill bike riders that can like ride down super gnarly stuff, but also similar to like what guys do at Rampage. Well, you're going to see your first like chick doing like a flat drop 360 down that stuff. Like that is not far fetched. Like that's some, something that I think is on a lot of our minds and it would be so rad to see very quickly, very soon. And I think for any younger girl growing up watching this, that's just kind of like the 17 year old that I was. I mean, now they're like 10 year old, not 17. But when I was 17, if I had seen a chick do that, I'd be like mind blown, so sick. Not so much like intimidated, like that's the expectations out of me, but rather more so that's cool that that's possible. I wonder if I could do it. And then you start and you go maybe to the trampolines or you go to foam pits and you start riding airbag. And then, you know, it's just the process and you look, 10, five, 10 years later, and you might just be one of those riders that's doing it to dirt, getting invited to an event to do it if you want to, and or just doing videos or doing it with your buddies at the bike park just because it's fun. Like all sorts of level, I think it's just going to keep like increasing the pool of riders that are just stoked doing that and do it. We have to talk injuries. You had an injury at formation. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to set you back at all. Like, I mean, yeah. it sets you back, but like your Instagram is like, 
you're just happy, jolly, and I know it's Instagram, but like yeah, social media says right. But <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, no, no, but for real, for real, I get you. Yeah, it's like okay, you had a knee injury, you took a crash, part of yeah. the job. Not like okay, that's expected. But like you put a post a video of you like I don't know if you're wake surf or no you're not wake surfing but you're like on a boat and like having a cup of coffee and like how hard was that mentally to get through? On the boat, do you mean like the day of the crash when I went on the boat? I don't know. It was just like a reel of like I don't know your whole life. Like I crept. Okay, Obviously, okay. I had to do some creeping. I was like, damn, you dug real, real. Well, real I gotta rocks. creep. That's like my job. Like <laughs> I have to like. You don't, not everyone, like, I got to Google you. Look at, do you still own a 2007 Audi A3? No. But you did. <laughs> yeah, I did. See? <laughs> See? Oh, that was actually on Instagram, was it? No, was it? I don't even know. No, it was in some article. I had to dig, dig deep. But I just mean in general, like, how do you, it looked like you, again, this is me looking through the glass. But like the way I saw it was like, oh, you had an injury sucks. No one wants to get injured. But like you almost took it again, looking glass as this is a break. I can reset mentally, physically, and I can come back stronger. Mm -hmm. It's uh yeah, you're it's correct. I did. I did keep riding and I did perform all summer. Um, it wasn't much of a break. Honestly, it's still kind of hard to understand what even happened with my knee i've never seen anyone i don't know i've never seen anyone like blow their acl and be racing three weeks later like yeah so and, what happened yeah so okay so I formation we had three days of riding and on day two um we were waiting for the wind to die down for me to like check off my next big feature in the line which is a massive drop so we were just sessioning the ridge line which includes a pretty decently big hip which i was stoked on anyways we're warming up on that, waiting and waiting before hitting the drop. And then the second time that I hit the hip that day, it I got I got blown and my body got all like pushed over the bike weird and had to like take my my outside foot out to kind of like counterweight myself, not to like just nail myself straight on the head. So I dabbed my foot, blew my ACL completely and partially tore my meniscus as well. Um I did go on a boat that afternoon because my homies that lived there, they were like, yo, we have a spot on the boat if you want to hang out. And See? I was like, how, do you know? how does he know I'm injured? But he didn't even know. He was just like, you want to come on the boat? Anyways, so I didn't end up like going for just chill with them and ice my knee and hope that I could maybe ride the next day literally was the intention. Um, having no idea that I blew my ACL. Anyways, the next day I was so incredibly swollen. I was like, there's no way that's happening. Came back home to Canada day or two after that and um yeah lined up a surgeon like a specialized knee surgeon just yeah i don't know i think i got super super lucky it's not like i showed up at the emergency waiting patiently for an mri like that wasn't gonna happen so i messaged directly a surgeon who happened to be a mountain biker as well and his whole team and whole like physio practice in vernon were also super into mountain biking and athletes so they literally came in on a Saturday, got me in, checked me. They were like, yep, pretty sure her uh, ACL is gone. Physio comes in. He's like, let me know what you think. He's like, oh, yeah, her ACL is for sure gone. Maybe MCL, da, da, da. And I'm like, like, I expected them to be like, like, oh, yeah, no, everything's still, like, all good attached. Like, maybe a little sprain. Like, give it some, 
And they were like, oh, yeah, no, it's gone. It's so gone what are now. you thinking at this point? I'm thinking I'm out for four plus months. I'm kind of freaking out. But then at the same time, they're like, they're saying 30% of people can live without an ACL and function just fine. And at that point, I had been like using crutches not to like make my knee too swollen, but I was kind of already putting weight on my toes and like walking, thinking I didn't blow anything in my knee. Anyways, I just couldn't straighten my leg fully because not to make it too graphic, but when the ACL snaps, it coils on itself. And so the two stumps or one of the two stumps got lodged between my knee. So when my leg is bent and then straightened, it, it couldn't straighten because there was something stuck in between. So anyways, the surgeon was like, this allows me a ticket straight to like emergency, not emergency, but like um, the operation room tomorrow. And we can snip that to make sure you get full mobility right away. And then by doing that, we have a, a scope, like a little camera scope in your knee, which is perfect, even better than MRI. I get to see what the damage is and I'll let you know. And I can maybe clean up a couple of things if I can. And if you can be on your bike in a few weeks, because he knew the season that I had ahead of me, that was kind of what was on his mind. And I was like, cool. So the next morning, I go to the hospital, I think it was like 7am, I was back at home by 10am in bed, I had gotten a scope or meniscectomy and what do they call it? What do they call the scope? Anyway, there's like a proper term for it. And a meniscectomy where he trimmed like some of the white tissue in my meniscus. And then their idea, him and his physio partner, their idea was give it a whole week of just rest, elevate, compression with ice, um, and a lot of ibuprofen. <laughs> you guys, I've had so much ibuprofen in the last four months. Oh, no. Anyways, it was like a week of that. And then they kind of saw my knee a week after, and they were happy enough with how it was looking swelling-wise. And kind of worked out a plan on what to do with physio rehab workout as well as road biking. That was like week number two after surgery was back on a road bike. And then week number three was the last week before I was technically booked to fly to Innsbruck for the first crankworks round. And so the beginning of week three, my um, CTI knee brace shows up at the clinic at the like recovery clinic that those guys were looking after me for at. So I get fitted and I go on a pump track that afternoon because what else am I – and I had been riding my road bike and feeling pretty damn good, even kind of took it off-road. Like I was in Utah back then, so I kind of took it on like gravel paths, which then become mountain bike trails. Um, and, then, and then, yeah, I got a knee brace, so I felt invincible, went to a pump track. And I felt a little like awkward, but – the knee was doing okay and so the next day i took my slalom bike to the nearest slalom track in kamloops and uh i did a few runs and i rode really strong and riding felt all good and then the night after and the day after was incredibly swollen so i had to like chill like leg up for the rest of the day so i was kind of like okay like i've done five runs today like five 20 seconds runs and I'm this swollen and I'm paying for it for an entire 24 hours afterwards. And I was meant to fly to Crankworks to race five different events or four different events two days later. And they're like back to back events, right? Like there's no rest. There's no time to chill with your leg up on the couch. 
so anyways i was like um not very sure that was going to work out i was like i'm probably just going to function for two hours of practice and then have to call it for the rest of the week but regardless i packed my downhill bike my slalom and speed and style bike and my hardtail for pump track went to innsbruck thinking worst case scenario like i have like the the title to defend from the previous year so even if i can't make it to the race like i'll probably just end up in the booth commentating like just being there and like being a part of the event even if i'm not able to be there riding that's like what i was totally comfortable going there with um while packing all of your bikes though while packing all my bikes, I haven't touched my downhill bike since Utah. There's still flat pedals on it. I do not ride flat pedals when I race because it's super bumpy on downhill racing. It's still like got red dirt all over it. Like it's still crooked. Actually, literally my slalom bike um, had dirt on it still from New Zealand from like previous November because all winter leading up to formation in May, I was so focused on um, free ride that I didn't touch my slalom bike. I was like, oh, as soon as formation's done, I'll hop on my Crankworx bikes and I'll train on my slalom bike, which I didn't get to do because I was just getting surgery and training, trying to recover from the knee. Anyways, pack those bikes, th those bikes thinking that's not gonna be pretty, but who knows? And who knows is right, because it just worked out to be fine. Like, I mean, it was hard. Like I had insane amounts of swelling and again, a maximum amount of ibuprofen every day. And I had a physio there and we were flushing, flushing swelling all day, every day, as soon as I wasn't on the bike, which at Crankworks is not that long. Like you're on a bike from 8 a.m., probably competing until 8 p.m. Um, there are long days on the bike. So I had to be super smart, pick what training sessions, how long, how much of the training sessions I was going to do. Um, but yeah, kind of worked out. It was kind of crazy. I, I qualified first at slalom. Literally, I was looking for my name lower down the list, and I was like, ah, they, like, messed up my time. Like, I'm going to have to do a rerun. Like, I couldn't find me. Have to ask the freaking guy in the timing booth. I had to ask the guy in the timing booth. I was like, is my time all good? He's like, yeah, you won. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know. I was just like. That, um, I you, felt good on my bike, but I was just so focused. Like every berm, like, okay, don't push too hard here. Like this is the left-hand corner. So it's harder on the right hand, on my knee, on the right side. Like I was just so focused on my knee and doing the right things. And if I was on the bike, I was just trying to ice it and recover. So it happened a couple of times that week that I was getting like, and I was qualifying, unfortunately. That's the, the part two of the story is that I was doing great performance-wise for half a day. You know, so the first few hours I was practicing good and then I qualifying, I did good. And then later in the afternoon is when we do like ladder racing. And then at the end of the day, you get into the final semifinals and finals. And by that time, it also started raining and the grass flat corners get super slippery. And the one order I had from the doctor, because he was like, yeah, go for it. If you can, like go racing, like have a good time, be, be safe. Like, you know, the, the consequences and the risk. And he but... knows the level you're at, right? Like yeah. he's not... Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Thinking. But he was like, the one thing is you just can't dab a foot. So as long as your feet are clipped in, you're fine. But it started to rain and flat corners on grass get so slick. And I'm like lining up. We haven't had practice because it's like finals time. And I see people like back wheel drifting, like going almost like 180, like like falling. And I'm just like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> so 
that's unfortunately how it went. Mother Nature didn't really help me there, but uh, yeah. So in finals, it didn't work out, but it was just mind blowing to be able to even perform like yeah. in the dry against the other girls. Like uh, I, on any, like even the previous year, I don't even think I got top three in solemn in a perfectly capable body. <laughs> and then the, that year I was like still posting top results. So anyways, it's just been kind of hard to believe that it was even real, to be honest. Like, I'm just trying my best because I want to be out there. I want to be on my bike, but my expectations are just out the window. And now I'm kind of like super confused about what's going on. <laughs> it's it's working out. So I'm happy, obviously. But So they never fixed your ACL. Like it's just no. gone. They just cut it out so you can straighten your leg. Yeah, we took a we took a shot at the like you may be one of the thirty percent of people that are okay with that one. And how does it feel? Like on, let's give me an honest. We're definitely not <laughs> recording right now. How does it feel? <laughs> I hate my knee sometimes, all the time. Actually, I'm just tired of dragging that kind of like constant swelling and pain. But I would not trade that feeling for getting the full reconstruction and being off my bike all summer like i had amazing experiences all summer and i knew from the get-go that that was the chance if is if i can go out there and ride my bike i'm gonna have a really good time and i it definitely went way above expectations like i can't believe i lined up for proving grounds like i thought the whole summer i definitely want to go i'm gonna go watch like that's something i want to do and I got the invite and I was so unsure whether to turn it down because it was just too risky to like, the thing is like, if something happens and I dab my foot real bad again, I don't have any CL. So it just trickles down, right? And you don't want like bone bruising or blow my MCL. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, if I blow another ligament, it's not that complicated. You just go in the OR and you get it all fixed. Like that's my mentality. Is that weird? Um, I'm kind of like, it's already messed up, but it works. So just make it work. And if something else gets messed up because of it, then you get them all fixed is what I go with. But I think it's the, it's, it's like the hard sides or the reality of being a professional athlete. Like for, if you were a regular, old, like me, a regular old Mo, like it's worth it for me to fix my ACL when I can and like take six months off and recover and like, but I don't get paid to be athletic in any way, oh, shape yeah. or form. But I think I, I do think that that is like, it's a risk of your job and it's a risk of your career. And like you are like skyrocketing in your career still. So for you to be off a bike for four months is a risk that you're not willing to take unless you have to. Yeah, I mean, some of this is true. I think it never crossed my mind. Like my my career, my losing a sponsor never crossed my mind. I think injuries are just a part of our sport and it's not my first injury and my sponsors are well aware about that. But like, I don't know, they come and they go and then you get back on the horse and you keep performing. So like that, that I wasn't worried about. The one thing that was really on my mind is like, I do, like I did very much make a conscious decision that like I was so stoked on big mountain free ride and I was spending so much time training for crankworks um, in the past few years, which works out like winning the overall is something that I, I like doing. 
but I don't want to neglect the free ride side of things because of it. And this year at, at formation is when I made a conscious decision that like, I was going to keep going to Crankworks or how can I say that rather than going to Crankworks as like my base calendar of the year and then training for Crankworks and with the extra time and energy that I have, I'll do some free ride projects. I started thinking, I want to go like full free ride and do as much development as I can do with free ride for me and still show up at Crankworks events and hope to do good, which that like the knee injury kind of make it made it easier on me because I was able to just show up at Crankworks very unprepared with low expectations, just have a good time and yet still perform, which is kind of like backing the idea that like, I can do this. Like I can just, go and do free ride most, if not all of the time and still show up at Crankworks and hope that I've developed enough of the skills and experience over the last few years to support me with still doing all right at those events when I do go. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that in the decision-making at the beginning of the year, first of all, they were like, there's a chance you can just ride your bike all summer. I'm like, done. And then if by, we made a decision that like, if by August, like at Crankworks Whistler, if my performances were not great just because of the knee, get the surgery, get ready for 2023. That was part of the deal. But right away it was like, okay, I'm actually performing really good. Really sucks. It really hurts. It's really swollen, but I can still do it. And it's like, it's going to be fine. So then I just decided that like, it'd be nice to do the full season. And this year's off season is actually extra short because we're going back to our original program, which is Crankworks Rotorua in New Zealand in March. But as of 2022, we're still ending with New Zealand in November. So it's a super short window. There isn't exactly four plus months to take here for me to be off my bike. And regardless of that, 2023 has so many opportunities for me to grow in freeride. And there's so many projects that I really want to take part of or just like just goals that I have in my own riding. And those are not going to work whatsoever if I take four or five months off the bike. Like, these are the four or five months I need to be on the bike so that I can go and push myself and learn. But there is also this lingering risk always. Like I might just dab my foot the wrong way and I might just take myself out. But so far I'm happy taking that risk. I don't know how you're not stressed. Like I'm stressed listening to <laughs> <What>? your schedule. <laughs> no way. No way. I'm just biking. How could that be oh, stressful? I'm stressed about it. Uh, let's talk. You just came off proving grounds. That was like yeah. a day ago, right? When was that? Yeah. Last week? It feels like it was a day ago because I just got back from another like athlete summit back to back. So I had no time to just get home. But uh, the event was on Saturday and yeah, it was in Thursday, Oregon. So, so I just got back like Monday in BC. How was that? <laughs> it was it, it was really I just cool. watched your run creeping Instagram. Yeah. It's just. What do you think? <laughs> I'm just stressed the whole time. Like I, it's so busy. Biking is like, I don't understand how anyone's like great at it. It doesn't Whoa. make sense to me. Cause like biking is something that everyone can do for the most part. Right. Like most people know how to ride a bike. And then there's like this level of riding a bike. Like I mountain bike five days a week. I am an avid mountain biker. Okay. I'm terrible. Like, and I'm not like being like, like cute or bad like i'm bad at like i'm not good i can keep up i'm in shape but yeah. like 
I don't do drops. Like there's not a drop in this world that I can't ride around. Like I'm very yeah, proud does of it, that. Does it make you put like when you finish your ride, no matter whether you go around features or whatever, like, are you stoked? Did you go? Oh, I love it. I'm just Mine blown away. I, I love yeah. mountain biking. Like it's, yeah. it's, I'd rather ski. That's like my thing. Yeah. But mountain biking fills that void for me and I will mountain bike yeah. as often as I can. Um, and if I could dirt bike every day, I would, it's just harder to do that than it is to like work all day and for sure. go for a ride. Um, totally. but I'm just blown away that people are so good at it. And that's when I, when I watched your run, I'm like, there's no way, like I wouldn't make it off. Like I wouldn't have made it to like the drop. Like I would have like rode off the side. I would have been like, Whoa. And then whoosh, like, <laughs> it's so stressful to me. I mean, it wouldn't be, uh, thank you. I think, uh, just to keep it simple, like it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be making a living out of this Well, yeah. if anybody could do it. Right. For sure. So it's like a thing that I definitely got graced with. And I, that's from the get go, right. From my very beginnings, when I got into mountain biking, like my first rides were also potting around and every single route, every single like fist sized rock was like whoa oh my god like huge rush of adrenaline but i'm in the forest with my friends this is fantastic so much fun to this day even if i go biking with someone who's like a beginner if i'm not trying to prepare for an event i love cruising like that it's so much fun but it is it definitely does grow and become a different like a whole different sport and like i watch some of some athletes do something like downhill racing nowadays like it's a whole different sport it's a whole other level of like gravity fed energy to your body like i could not handle that it's insane insane it's so impressive but it's not for everyone right i found my thing that works for me yeah i guess my question is is it fun like i do when you roll into the to proving grounds or what was the other one they just did this weekend uh red bull oh, hardline. hardline like yeah they were landing and their tires were imploding Oh, it's insane. But they were landing. Like, it wasn't their fault that the equipment broke. So it's like, is that fun at that point? Or is it just like our builders pushing it too far? No. And this is a leading question, obviously. Like, it is something. No, I, I think we're definitely, yeah, we're pushing the limits, but it is the limits of like, we are capable of doing it. And if you can figure out how to like work it out and, and like right out of it, you would just like be ecstatic about that. Right. And like, honestly, I want to defend like whoever landed on and blew a wheel at Hardline. Like, I mean, it could be product, but it could also just be that they were just slightly too hard on the back wheel. And it's just like, it was their front. They, they just, like landed. I'm sending it to you. It exactly. shouldn't have gone. So if it's it back just, wheel and then go bam, it's just more, force on the front wheel than if they just landed perfectly smooth. i blame the landing um but no i i do ask it leading because like it's it's awesome progression is awesome and that's why these sports exist and it's so cool but like you guys don't always get to pick so like you fly somewhere you unload your bike and you look at this course and you're like and maybe you're not but i'm just like are these yeah, people yeah. trying to kill me like are you guys <laughs> trying to like are you literally trying to murder me or Am I supposed to perform on this? For sure. I mean, I'm sure there's definitely those feelings sometimes if um, you show up and you walk through the course and if it's not built well, like, yeah, I hear some of that feedback sometimes from the slope style guys. Like, 
a course might look super sick, but if there's too much speed being fed into it, you have to break a lot going into features, which is never a good feeling. No, it's, it's so hard wrong. to gauge how much to break. And, you know, it's hard to push yourself doing a big trick off a jump if you're maybe going slightly too slow or slightly too fast. Like, it changes things so much. That doesn't feel great, obviously, but course builders can be super talented. And so I do find myself in places where the course builders know what they're doing and it's just a good time, honestly. Like, Proving Grounds, I will say when I got there, and I went with the intention again, like, I wanted to stay safe. I couldn't care about the competition. I was just so stoked to be a part of the event and ride. Um, that kind of stuff, I love riding. I really do. So I was just hoping to find something for me that was going to be, you know, I would get those feelings that I missed so much since May when I got the injury of pushing myself and like sending like just a lot of airtime is so fun, but where I still would feel uh, safe and happy to go home on Monday, you know? And so when we first walked the, the, the line options on the first day, it's funny because um, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but like you look at a feature from below and it's like a pretty big gap, obviously. But usually, at least on the trails, if you go and look at it from the takeoff, you can actually see it's like a lot more relatable. It's like, oh, actually, it doesn't look yeah, that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's smaller. You can see... It wasn't like that, <laughs> proving grounds. I would like look at it from below and like with experience, I know that feeling and I know it's going to be better when I'm looking at it from the top. So I would just be like, don't overthink it. Just look at it from the top. Go at the top, walk over to the ledge. And I'm like, I really thought it was going to look smaller from here, but it doesn't. So that, yeah, I do get the fear. And I was a little bit scared that I wasn't going to be able to find a line that was chill enough for me to just lap all weekend and have a good time with. But yeah, I don't know. One feature, one, one feature by one feature, you start with the smallest or smoothest one, you feel great. And then you do the next one that leads into it or out of it. And eventually you feel good. And you're like, man, like that one actually looked bigger, but it still rides really chill. So you just start creating this, trust and confidence that all of them that look bigger than you want them to are also going to be feeling so much better than they look because those builders know what they're doing. Thank God for them, you know? And so that's how it went. Eventually you just like, screw it. I'm going to do the first drop and I'll do second, the second step down. And after that, if speed's good, why stop? I'm going to do the next jump. And then you start linking things up and you're like, this is insane. This is awesome. It, it is big, but it is chill, honestly. <laughs> And you start, like, I started lapping them, and I was just so stoked to have, like, but, like, I did pick my way down through, like, something that was pretty smooth and simple enough, and a lot of riders were doing those lines, so it's kind of nice to have a visual of, like, how they're doing it, and you can just see them do it and just repeat that in your brain, know exactly what kind of, like, dance moves to do when you're heading over there, like, how much brake taps, how much pedaling, or just cruise through it, and you do the same thing, and... You're doing it. If everyone could just bottle your attitude and like thought process, then the world would be like the greatest place on the planet. You're just like, yeah, you well, just do it. We need a couple <laughs> extra hospitals, but yes. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, like, yeah, I uh, I say that. Like, to be fair, I just try to like make sure talk about things like they're not like a crazy big deal. Like people say, but, like viewed from the outside, I know it looks crazy, but it is a lot of time and experience and slowly building up to the point where you just feel super comfortable doing that stuff. But it does come with risk. I definitely did go through my share of injuries. 
but it is also that much fun that like, yeah, I'll do the rehab and I just want to go back to doing the things that makes me so happy. You realize you're talking to like 6,000 people in Boston driving to work right now. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of there. Get on a bike. (laughs) Like They exist so that we can do this. So thank you listeners for existing. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks guys. Um, um, I want to yeah. talk. I don't want to keep you too much, too, too much longer. I do have a couple more questions. Um, I want to talk about the. I think you just called it pushing your limits in Utah, like your your little film segment. Does it have a yeah, name? Yeah, I don't know if we put a title to it. It was just a. That's like the title. I don't know yeah, if it's yeah, the yeah. title to it, but that's like what you yeah. see. How involved? are you with the filming process is what I want to know. I want to say that that specific video is kind of not how you go into a video project. Normally, normally you like think of an idea, you kind of like build a pitch for it. You find sponsors for it and you find a filmer for it. Like you can be your own director. Right. But this one, I'm just super fortunate. Like I have friends that are videographers. And when I went to Utah for a month, um, my friends wanted to film videos and they were planning for it all, but I was just going to go and ride for the whole month. I just, I kind of like purposely did not plan to film anything. I was just like, I want to go spend a month riding every day. Cause when you're filming, you're digging, you're sessioning the same features. Like it takes quite a bit of time just to repeat repetitively, repetitively get the same shots to make sure you get the nicest shots that goes into the video. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't doing that and not putting pressure on myself. I wanted to just go and ride so I could learn a ton, take that to formation later in the spring. But when I was there, I started riding a bunch, feeling super good and started kind of taking off features, unknowingly taking off features that no, no other girls had ever done. And the boys I was with were super hyped and they were like, yo, like we have to, like we, you have to make a video now. Like that's sick. And I was like, fuck yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's do it. And so my homie that we were splitting an Airbnb house with was there for like months to film on someone else's video projects. And yeah, it just turned out that he knew he had some pockets of like sunrise here and there where he wasn't shooting with the other rider. And so we reached out to industry nine my wheel uh, sponsor um, and we knew that they would be stoked on having a Utah video with me. And um, we were just like low key. We're going to shoot morning here, morning there, afternoon night there. Like, and we pieced off together a really sick video in like just a handful of sessions. And uh, he's my homie. Right. So it's just like pull up to the feature with your friends. Like I had some other guy friends come with me for some features cause they were just fun to session. They would just ride with me and, we just film with me and then there was other features where they were like yeah i think i'm good you got this and they would just help me figure out the speed and yeah it was pretty funny i was always talking about this one step down i wanted to hit and they were like they were like yeah like i'm i'm keen like i'll try i'll try and we went and rebuilt the landing and gave the takeoff a different shape as well and they were like i would definitely be the biggest step down i've ever done and i was like dude no stress if you don't want to do it and he's like hmm yeah, I think I'm good. <laughs> I was like, all right. So anyways, but it was fun to have my friends there and just like help me with like gauging speed or even showing me the ropes of like how to how to hit some double drops and like, yeah, again, seeing it done and seeing how smooth it is and just reviewing the same clip of them doing it. And I'm just like, I got this. And then you do it and then 
camera roll. Like, let's go. There's one shot in there where you can just like perfectly hear the hub sound and it's intentional, (laughs) but it's so good. It's like, it's just like the clicks as it just like, it's quick too. Like if you don't, it's like the best subtle sell I've seen in a long time. Cause that's what I pay attention to is like the soft sell. Like obviously it's sponsored by industry nine and like, you know, that's who helped put this together, but there's just like this soft, like you're like, yeah, that's the shot. Like that was it. That's like, there's not too many wheel or hub sounds out there in the industry that sound quite like the I nine one. And, uh, yeah, you don't need to fake it. It's just there. And if you're giving it speed and you're coming like far from the camera, towards the camera and out, you're definitely going to get that like, like it's just it's like, so good. Other, you know, it's just, yeah, it's so good. I, I was like, it. like three, sorry, but there's three minutes and I'm like, all right, she's pretty good on a bike. But like this hub sound shot, it's like, <laughs> like that. shout out to Ina. That's what did it for me. This is not a paid ad for me. Uh, I am. Oh, on... they'll, 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 uh, they'll message you. They'll hook you up. Okay. That's fine. I'm on I nine hubs, guys. I am, yep. but I cheaped out. I didn't get the Hydra. I'm sorry. It was, it was like a hundred dollar difference. I don't know. I'm really sad about it, but whatever. I just, <laughs> I just cheaped out. It's okay. I will live with the decent clicks i'm sure you're very content with whatever you got i don't know what the proper term is for clicks but we call them clicks i interviewed this is a set i interviewed a bunch of hubs at sea otter and just like (laughs) yelled at people who had them and they were like it's the worst video i've ever put out in my life (laughs) (laughs) um a couple more questions if you're not a mountain biker Mm. what are you like what Take, let's just say if you're not a snowboarder either, because we kind of talked about that. Yeah. I got another one for you. I'm ready. Uh, Moto, for sure. Supercross, outdoors. They're bike rider, for sure. It's the best. But let's... Um, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was just a point in my career, and it was kind of early on as well, um, 2011. When did I start riding? I started riding in... 07 and then 08 I did my first race anyways 2011 was when I had one of my biggest injuries or not biggest it's just the biggest bone it's the femur so it takes the longest I was three months trying to walk and so whatever I was off the bike for a while and the year after it's just that kind of injury that drives a lot of energy out of you and even though I was back on the bike it was just making me so tired any activity just track walks and stuff like it was making me so tired that it would literally just make me cry like so much i got so sad the following year like honestly i was just like always super low in energy and just struggling because it's still like working for months and months to like regrow that bone but long story short at that point in time i asked myself like okay like you're clearly not having a good time this is the only reason why you're doing this like maybe it's time that you find something else. And the only other thing I had in mind was like, I've always been such a fan of dirt bikes and I'd go and I'd go watch like some super cross races in the arenas, but never committed to it. Like I'm just, I'm just a girl by herself. Like I grew up with a single parent mom. Like she would, she is not the one who put me on a mountain bike, you know, like that was just not ever going to happen. But at that point in time, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe this is this is it. Like, this is the time where I'm going to reach out to some people from the industry and get into it and change it all. Um, but it kind of scared me as well because I was like, man, biking definitely created my, like, whole circle of friends. 
like me going to school for sports marketing and management was super motivating from bikes and the industry and just the healthy lifestyle I had and the traveling lifestyle I had. Like I had so much that came to me through mountain biking that I was kind of like, okay, whoa, like that's kind of crazy to think about. Um, so I just gave it some more time and just being more patient and just less, just less um, demanding out of myself. Um, so I was pretty serious about my results just because it's, it feels so good to, to ride well. Right. But no coming idea. back from injuries, no idea, honestly, <laughs> no clue well, on your skis. I don't know, man. Surely you can't say that. You definitely feel good. Like, oh no. I, I just enjoy the one corner on the ride. You just know that corner felt so good, yeah, but I, I'm so bad at cornering. It's not funny. No, but my thing is like, no one will ever have more fun than me. Like I am a professional fun haver. Perfect. It doesn't matter how bad I am. Like I can suffer with the best of them. Like if you told me like, let's climb Mount Everest tomorrow, like mentally I will suffer. I will be oh, there, okay. but like not fast, not good. Yeah, having yeah. a good time. Like that. I was is... going to say I speak the same language as you, but you lost me there with that kind of effort. I'm I'm a very lazy athlete, and that kind of like pain type two fun is not cool. Like I only sign up if I'm having a really good time. Like I am in the business of fun, but I do only I don't have fun if I'm in pain for sure. I think that's because it's how, and I'm again speculating, but like you pretty much got into mountain biking on a chairlift. For sure, yeah, so it's totally. Like, I, mean, I do I enjoy pedaling, but yeah, it's uh, it's not the funnest part of the ride for sure. If you could ride a chairlift with someone dead or alive, let's say non-athlete, ah, who would it be? Non-athlete, dude, I don't know. This is the I longest silence I've ever had. What's that? I can't think of anything. No one. No, probably just my grandpa. <laughs> Grandpa's a good answer. I can't argue that. I mean, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I guess it's funny because you say that, but I'm like, I don't even ride chairlifts that often anymore. Like, um, a lot of what we do is just hike up because you're just sessioning a big jump at a time, and eventually you're piecing up a whole line. But like, it's pretty leg powered, or maybe you shuttle up on finals day. They like run like a side by side or a truck to tow you up there, but. Bike park days are sweet. You get a lot of riding done in a very amount of small amount of time, so that's a good way to learn. But um, yeah, even crankworks events and stuff, you just have to like walk up the solemn track or speed install track and lap them. That's my that's my dream is to make a bike hiking documentary, but just have it be about me pushing my bike and no like actual riding. <laughs> that like reminds me of like all the girl posers out there that like have such a big following but all you see in their profiles is them posing sitting next to the bike there's no riding whatsoever yeah, none it's like ride your bike i, get I don't the... know how I feel about that it's i don't i'd know. love to see a video of you riding i don't care how mediocre you say you are i think that would definitely be it would be the sad most entertaining whether it's <laughs> terrible or horrible you know like it's gonna be great it's just a big smile just laughing hysterically but like not good. It's lots of skids, but not like cool. Like like just like kid. Like just grab a full rear brake and like. Oh yeah. Like my tire is like has bumps in it because I just skid all the time, and I can't like, <laughs> I can't do that thing that you guys do where it's like. Gah. I've had my days where I had to cheat with the brake too. You know, we all learn. I don't. How do you do it? Let's tutorial. Two minute tutorial on how to do the. Ka-cha. 
Well, you want the like hooking into berm or like the drift, the Let's, flat corner drift. Which one's easier? Oh, it's way easier to do a berm schlarp. Schlarp. Yeah. Let's teach me schlarp. to schlarp over the, and then I will Ooh. send you a video of me schlarping. <laughs> I owe it to Bromont though. Growing up there, the berms were built like really nice and steep. You do need a nice and steep berm. If you have super mellow berms, you die. It's not going to work. <laughs> I've got some berms um, that I could do it on. Cause I watch yeah, people do then, it. So it's doable. Totally. That's where you kind of come into it more from like the inside curve. And then you just last minute through the corner, like the apex of the corner is where you like lean into it and the steep berm will hold you and hook you and like shoot you straight out forward instead of like lining perfectly on the oh, outside wait. of the corner and smoothly railing around the entire berm. Are my feet flat? Feet flat, no breaks. Feet Break flat, no breaks. Break before, during, you don't. What's my... What is my weight ratio left, right? Like 50, 50, 60, 40. What are we talking here? It's definitely 50, 50 weight on either pedals, but berms are really like what I'm going to about to say is not technique for cornering. If you're just looking to corner or flat corner is the complete opposite of what I'm about to say. But if you're trying to just like hit a corner and fully like slurp into it and G out of it, like super fast. Yeah. Those buzzwords are what I want to do. Yeah, that is where you lean very much on the inside. Like basically you're just leaning your bike, but you're leaning with it instead of staying on top of it. So human bike and you lean and you lean with it and you're pushing against the berm. And then at the point where you hook mid berm is where you go. Wah. And what so am I fully like, like this, like human, human, like you're looking at a 45 degree angle. Human is at the very top end of it. The bike is below you. Your feet are even at the bottom. Berm on the opposite end is where you push against. Um, Do I want to be over my rear? Was that? my front tire or rear tire? Or centered on my bike? Weight is very equal front back. What you want is brake beforehand or just don't brake because speed is great. And look out to the exit. Like this is the number one hardest point is looking out, looking way out where the trail is going. Most people will just look right in front of their tires. Your head is down, your weight is forward. Like something happens or like maybe you're like, your bench press game is pretty weak and you like get shut forward and you're looking down at your tire. You're for sure going over your bars. You know, you, I mean, you do have to do the work. You have to you know, be able to handle the, the kind of gravity that's coming at you for sure. So I think I have the strength. Good. I don't have the skill. Good. So yeah, you, uh, all right, I got it. Yeah. There will it. be a video in the next, I'm going to say I need 14 days. I need two weeks. Thank you. Promise. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know which way it is. There it is. Okay. I'm going to attempt. <laughs> <laughs> is this backwards? Oh, this is the best. I never... <laughs> For everyone listening, we're literally side-by-side -side screen. Thank you, promise. Oh, I'm going to screenshot that eventually because this is saved. We have this blackmail now. Perfect. I, will... I love it. I want to see it. Please stay safe. Um, start gradual. <laughs> but I want to see the last clip where you're like, oh, my God, I got this shit. I think I got it. Okay. Um, one, thank you. Thank you for your time. Welcome. Two, people to thank, sponsors to thank. What do you have happening next in your life that we should care about? Oh, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I think it's always 
uh, I don't know, I feel like I'm just talking a lot about myself and where I'm coming from, but if people are stoked on that, I think that's, that's, I don't know, thank you guys, and I hope that it just makes you guys want to go and push yourself. That's literally all I'm doing. I'm a very selfish person. I'm just riding my bike and pushing myself and feeling great about it, you know, like that's all I'm doing, but if it makes you guys want to do the same, I think that's super sick. Um, number one most important thing in life is to just love it, have a good time, be happy, so go push yourself. It'll feel great. Um, so thank you. Uh, I owe it to a whole lot of sponsors that support me and a lot of them have supported me for a really long time. That be uh, Rocky Mountain, GA Components, Shimano, uh, Industry 9, of course, Maxis, TLD. I've been riding TLD gear since day number one. I bought my first jersey. It was like a white TLD jersey and I was like, hell yeah. And yeah, still riding for those guys. Uh, yeah. Oakley, Fox Suspension, 510 for shoes. 510 or die, seriously. Um, That's a hot statement. Yeah. What's That's that? a hot statement. Dude, I mean, it's hard to recreate that stealth rubber. And, uh, yeah, but they got bought. We're going to talk about is, this later. If you want a schlarp, you better have good hooks on your pedals. I've got 510s. I don't know where they are. There They're in go. here. You're good. But they got bought. I feel like I shouldn't love them as much anymore. I'm sorry if I'm saying this on the air, but like, they're Adidas now. Adidas? Yeah. That's fine. Adidas is actually pretty sick. All right. I don't know. I know. I like what they're doing. I mean, I also, when they first got bought, I was like, ah, but the core brand 510 is so sick. But I'm looking at my 510s right now. They're 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 just as 510-y as they were five <laughs> ten years ago. Like it was still 510, the brand is still there. Um, thanks, Adidas, for keeping the brand alive is all I have to say. Oh, really. Good twist. Adidas is gonna yeah. shun me forever. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah i don't know what else to say i think uh where can people fun. follow you where's the best place for people to follow you how can they get in contact with you if they want to ask you something or maybe don't and i will put a disclaimer yeah. don't be creepy internet people <laughs> like i've humans. finally gotten rid of all the creepies i don't know why i just don't get back to them so i just don't get those creepy messages as often which is nice um, but yeah, you can follow me. My main social would be uh, Instagram at Viaberbeek. Um, simple as that. I do have TikTok. It's pretty mediocre. Facebook is dead to me. <laughs> I have it, but like, I mean, yeah, you could message me on Messenger. I'll probably get it at one point. But yeah, just DM me or like, I think there's an email connected to my Instagram as well. If you need to, uh, to shoot me an email. Thanks for following, guys. <laughs> and where? What's next? What do you have next? Uh, yeah, so I'm home, thankfully, now for a week or two. Um, it is very much fall rolling in, but my season is not over whatsoever. We do have two more Crankworks rounds. So Crankworks is going to Cairns, Australia uh, in October, which I'm stoked. I went and raced world champs there for downhill in like a few years ago, 2017 or 18. It's super tropical. Great Barrier Reef is there. Like It's a good time. So Crankworks is going there. Keep an eye on out, out for that. And then the finals for Crankworks this year is um, in Rotorua in New Zealand. And, uh, yeah, I'm trying my best to uh, get the overall title, which is insane to say, as we all know now, that I've had a really crazy year not knowing that I could even ride. But I can. And after Innsbruck, I was fifth in the overall. And after Whistler, I actually threw Whistler, became lead at some point in the week. And by the end of the week, I messed up one of the event. I am now sitting second in the overall by, like, a hair. So like. I'm going for it, you know, like I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest for sure. That would be unreal. Two time 
queen of crankworks. How many QLMs do you have on Strava? Oh my God, I haven't opened Strava in so long. I got into it when I first moved to BC. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm not in. I'm not. I just, I just ride for fun. I swear. I, like, I love pushing myself, but uh, I don't really care to see where it compares to other people. Unless it's Crankworks, then it matters. But the thing is, like, it doesn't matter either. Like, I'm just, I'm happy to do it, go out there with my friends, and my friends happen to be my, my competitors. Um, and if they beat me, but I did a sick run, I'll be stoked on my run, and I'll just be really impressed with how they performed. That's my mentality. I'm racing the clock, not other people. Um, I could win a race, but have, like, messed up something real bad. And obviously, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, I messed up so bad. If you win, you shut the hell up. You don't say that. You just say, like, <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm stoked by one. But like, there's what I'm saying is like, there's wins where like you thought you totally blew it and maybe other people blew it as well. And you just won. It doesn't feel that good. But if you push yourself and you, you tried hard and you succeeded at doing that, that feels insane. And that's the feeling I'm going for. Um, thankfully there's events and races where they put us on the piece of paper and sponsors look good with supporting those top racers. And that gives me a job. But like like I said, I'm very selfish. I'm just going out there feeling good about pushing myself. And uh, hopefully it, it helps you guys to go do the same. Can't wait to see your slurping. I, I got this, I swear. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. See you guys soon.